Welcome in to the week five preview of SEC Slow Smokes. Alex, our great host, could not be here today, so we're going to have to try to tag team this whole hosting thing. Alex always talks about how hard it is, so I guess we're about to find out, huh, JB? I know. Like, uh, Alex, uh, where's your commitment, man? Like, uh, we, we needed you tonight. Like, Holt and I are not used to doing this, you know, on our own. Like, I mean, we have done a few uh, episodes together without you, but, uh, you know, we need you. Like, you're the one that really drives the engine for the show. Yeah, he's the point guard. And yeah, we're he's... just... <laughs> yeah I'm, yeah he's the point guard i'm the small forward i'm the i'm the uh you know the which one am i gonna say I'm, i was i was gonna say kevin durant but i don't really like kevin durant i'm gonna say i'm the uh uh Kawhi leonard of the show i'm more more of a just do it all yeah i'm just i'm demarcus cousins i'm awesome but i'm also problematic there you go <laughs> <laughs> but uh enough of that we got a great show for you guys today sorry we're coming to you a little bit late this week had some technical difficulties unfortunately they continue we're just not we're just not the most uh tech savvy people so uh you know we just live and learn and hopefully we'll get better at this thing but uh gonna be talking about a lot of football this weekend um you know one of the big stories in college football is kelly bryant transferring away from clemson um, we think that there may be some, a couple of SEC schools he could end up at that he maybe would be a good fit at. Um, you know, we're going to break down all the big games from this week. And, you know, Dan Mullen's going back to Florida. We're going to talk about that. And, or Dan Mullen's going back to Mississippi State, I should say. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that and how that's going to be. And, you know, Kentucky is on a roll right now. We'll see if they can keep it up against South Carolina. We'll, you know, we'll talk about that. And uh, just all the other games. So, uh, JB, you ready to do this thing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, get into this weekend, too. Uh, we're only, what, one day away from it? And this is a really exciting weekend. Like, we're now uh, getting closer to October. I mean, this is actually a uh, five uh, Saturdays in September season. But once you get in October, you're really getting into the meat of the season. And that's the best part. The filet mignon of the season, as I like to call it. Exactly. Yeah, start getting these conference games, these big matchups. These teams know each other really well. They're all, you know, kind of on a level playing field. There's no more, uh, you know, beating up on Conference USA and FCS teams. Exactly, and everyone has enough film on one, on each other. Like, every coach has pretty much shown what they're going to do. So, you pretty much have a good feeling of what you're going to see game by game once you get to October. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, let's actually go ahead and get started on, on Kelly Bryant. Uh, so, he's – you know, obviously started two years at Clemson, took him to the playoff, or uh, this was his second year starting. So he took him to the playoff his first year and, um, you know, had that rough game against Alabama, but played really well. I mean, I don't really think he did anything to lose the job. They just had a, you know, a stud freshman five-star come in, number one player in the country and, you know, kind of take over. So he's going to be on the market. And, you know, I think there's a couple of SEC schools that he could end up at. Um, I know, you know, I was thinking Arkansas would be, like, a really good fit. I don't know if he'd want to go to Arkansas. But, uh, you know, I think he's got a connection with Chad Morris. I think Chad Morris may have, you know, been recruiting him a little bit, like, maybe early on. Um, you know, so that there may be a relationship there. I'm not 100% sure. I think he would fit what they want to do really well, and they <laughs> really need a quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think Florida may be a good spot, too. And, um, you know, I think you had another one, right, JB? I did. Um, I actually think that uh, if with Kelly Bryant and his mindset, I think he was going to want to go somewhere that he can win. 
and potentially maybe even compete, you know, at the highest level, maybe for a national championship. And to do that, Auburn might be the place. Because I think when you look at Auburn next year, they're going to have a lot of pieces coming back from this team. And I think that might be one to look at, assuming that Jared Sidham declares for the draft. But as of right now, Jared Sidham, the way he's playing so far this season, uh, that remains to be seen. I just want to address the Kelly Bryant situation just briefly. Uh, It's really an unfortunate situation because uh, Kelly Bryant is a really talented quarterback. And you really can't blame Davo Sweeney for opting to start Lawrence. And you can't blame Kelly Bryant for leaving because if Bryant had stayed the rest of the season – He'd be benched, and he would have no eligibility left. And Kelly Bryant's also thinking about his future. So I can't blame him there. As for Dabo, I think Lawrence is the better talent. I think he's the better talent right now. He's also a freshman. He's your future. And I think Lawrence gives him the best chance to uh, win later on in the season. He needs to get the experience now because once we get to the playoff, uh, you know, the stakes are going to be higher. So, but I, I, Trevor Lawrence is an incredible talent, so I can't blame Davis Sweeney for playing him over Kelly Bryant, the experienced senior. Yeah, and the good thing about the new role is that with uh, him have only playing in four games this year, he can still take the red shirt and then move on and be a graduate transfer somewhere else versus before. If you got beat out by a freshman, he would just be done. Like he wouldn't – he would just have to be the backup and then he wouldn't be able to – he'd be out of eligibility. Exactly. So, uh, so the, I do really like this rule. I think it's really good for the players. Uh, first and foremost, I just think that, you know, it kind of makes the coaches put their cards on the table and uh, show them what, what their role is going to be instead of just, you know, promising this and promising that. You know what I mean? You actually have to right. get out there and show them, like, what, what it's really going to be so that these guys actually have an opportunity to be somewhere where they, you know, can play. Exactly. And to add on to that uh... – uh, one of our uh, – I'm trying to think, remember which analyst it was. I think it was uh, Barrett Jones uh, on his Twitter feed yesterday. I uh, made a good point about this. Even though we, all, I, even though I'm a big proprietor for this uh, registering rule because it's definitely helping guys out like Kelly Bryant because if this rule wasn't in place, Bryant would be screwed. He would just have to sit on the bench the rest of the season and would have to just rely on, you know, the NFL Combine to try to, you know, help his status in the draft. But another thing that Barry Jones mentioned is that with this rule is that we're going to potentially have college football free agency after week four every year from here on out. It's setting a new precedent. So if, you know, you get these players that aren't happy, you know, just regardless of the situation, they'll just say, hey, I'm going to leave. And, you know, you're going to have you could potentially have mass exoduses by week four, especially even if the team just isn't performing well. And that's uh Definitely something to keep an eye on in the future. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, just like I was saying, I think I do think it's a good thing. I do like the rule. You know, there are some unintended consequences, I think. But I think as long as as long as long they're yeah. benefit, in, benefiting the student-athletes, and like, I'm all for it. Because those guys kind of get the short end exactly. of the stick as it is already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, I, I'm all for this rule. But I think Barrett Jones is also just saying this is going to be the – He's just kind of being a devil's advocate. I think Barry Jones is saying he likes the rule, but he's also saying that this is going to be the uh, downside. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that he could end up at one of the three places we talked about. You know, Arkansas, I I just – maybe I just like that because I think it's a good fit. I don't think he really wants to go to Arkansas because they're not going to be ready to win, I don't think, next year. But, uh, you know, I do think he would fit the offense really well. 
and that they would use him, you know, to fit his skill set. And, uh, you know, he definitely wouldn't have any competition, you know, to worry about. He'd definitely step in and be the guy. You know, Florida, I'm not really sure what they're doing quarterback-wise for next year. Um, I don't know if Emory Jones is going to be ready yet. He may need another year. And I think Kelly Bryant would fit down Mullen's offense really well also. And then, like you were saying with Auburn, I think that's a good fit as well. That may be the best fit. But I just don't know if Gus Malzahn is uh, – I don't want to say smart enough, but I don't know if, if he's maybe a little bit too stubborn to go back to what was working for him a few years ago with the running quarterback. I think he's convinced himself that he needs to have – a pro-style quarterback and throw the ball down the field more instead of just running a lot of what got him to, you know, where he got. Right. Yeah. And another thing I noticed about Gus Malzahn is, I don't know if it's a trend, but uh, quarterbacks seem to regress with Gus Malzahn over the course of their careers. Namely, uh, Jeremy Johnson. He was, you know, pretty much a a stud uh, the year before he started the following season where he completely just collapsed and just wasn't able to perform at the level that he was the year before. Or uh, even Jared Sidham this year, you can tell by his level of play this year, it's definitely dropped off from last year as well. So I don't know if this is a Gus Malzahn thing or not, but at least for Kelly Bryant, if he does go to Auburn, hypothetically, he'd only be there for one season. Right, and then, I mean... And he would have a, he would have, he would have a talented supporting cast around him on offense with the receiving core that would be coming back. And also uh, on the defensive side of the ball, too. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I was even going to say Nick Marshall, you know, was great his first year and then kind of took a step back his second year. But, uh, yeah, that, that is kind of a, a trend there. Um, but I just think that his offense is a lot more dangerous when he's got a running quarterback. But, uh, you know, I mean, he obviously knows way more about his offense than I do. It just seems it just seems that way to me. But uh, moving on from, from that, let's uh, – you know, we've got a lot of big games, big national games this week. And uh, the first one I want to talk about is Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, the Buckeyes head to Happy Valley, going to be a wideout. Um, I think Ohio State's like a three-point favorite. Uh, should be a really high-scoring game. Both these teams are averaging like upwards of 50 points a game. So uh should be a really exciting game in, uh, in Penn State on Friday. You know, Trace McSorley, Dwayne Haskins, I think. You know, whichever quarterback wins this game is going to be a Heisman favorite, and whatever team wins this game is going to be a playoff favorite um, and a favorite to win. You know, the big the Big Ten East. So, uh, what uh, what do you you got any thoughts on this game, JB? Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting game. Uh, this is, I think, the more the pressure is going to be on Penn State in this one because I think everyone's counting on Ohio State to pretty much run the table. Uh, after this game, uh, Penn State, their schedule sets up a little bit more tougher after this one. So I think, you know, the pressure is more on them. And Franklin's going to pull out all the stops. Uh, their defense has been pretty good. Uh, McSorley, we know how talented he is. And they're at home. They're in, you know, with the whiteout conditions. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere Saturday night. And I'm excited to watch it. And it's going to be it's going to be a really good coaching matchup between Urban Meyer and James Franklin. I'm Excited to see uh, what unfolds. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, just see what he can do in this game. You know, the TCU game, uh, he looked, you know, pretty good. Uh, not as good as he's looked in his other, his other games. But uh, that wasn't really a true road game. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what it's, he's going to do uh, playing in a really tough environment and a really big game against a, 
you know, a, a underwhelming, but a very talented defense uh, at Penn State. Maybe, you know, they can play it to their potential this weekend. Um, but he's been – Haskins has been, like, almost perfect, like, all year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up against Penn State. And then as far as Penn State goes, you know, Trace McSorley, uh, Miles Sanders, a running back, um, two really good players, really explosive offense. So uh, it should be a really great game, really fun game to watch. Uh, fortunately, I'm going to be at the Mississippi State game, so I'm only probably going to get uh, the fourth quarter of this game maybe. But uh should be a really exciting matchup in Penn State. And uh, It is. And you know what the bad thing is? Like all the best games are going to, you know, are going to be Saturday night. You've got the uh, Florida-Mississippi State game that you're going to be attending. You've got Kentucky-South Carolina. You have um, the Penn State-Ohio State game that we were just talking about right now. And also Ole Miss-LSU with an 8 o'clock kickoff. So that's going to be a lot of uh, channel flipping. But, I mean, it'll be exciting. But, you know, like we mentioned in a previous episode, I hate how these games are all put at the same time. Oh, I know. Like, I just – I don't know. And then, like, the plus that Thursday nights have just died in college football. Like, there's just no good Thursday night games anymore. And then, like, all the big games, the home team is going to want a night game. The TV ratings, you know, are better at night. And so we just end up having, like, all the big games on at the same time, even though you wait, like, all year for college football just for them to put all the big games on at the exact same time. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's – you know, I mean, one way or the other, I'm sure you're going to be able to watch some uh, – Some, I'm sure a couple of these games are just going to end up being blowouts and you're not going to watch them anyway. So, uh, you know, that always seems to happen when you think there's going to be a really good game. But uh, right. So, you know, we'll see. But it should be should be a good one. Um, another big game, another one of my playoff teams along with Penn State was uh, Stanford. And they have a big test this weekend after uh, really uh, – Really being fortunate to beat Oregon last week. Uh, that was a trouble. Yeah, yeah. They, I saw that uh, ESPN FPI had them at one point in the game. They only had like a one percent chance to win the game or something like that. Like just, I mean, they absolutely, they could have, they definitely should have lost that game, but they survived and advanced. Which I mean, that's what it's all about. So they go to Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame has had their first share of scares so far this year. I know, you know, Vanderbilt obviously gave them a great game. Um, but luckily they were able to hold off uh, the Commodores and keep you from having a streak to Nashville. Um, but uh, luckily, but, uh, luckily, you know, Stanford and they, you know, Bryce Love really hasn't been able to get going this year. Um Notre Dame actually changed quarterbacks. Uh, they put the backup quarterback in, the one he'd been playing a little bit. But uh, they finally made him the full-time starter, and they scored 56 last week against Wake Forest on the road. And, uh, you know, I mean, Wake Forest, they're not a great team by any means, but, you know, still it's pretty impressive to put up 56 points on them. So uh, I think Ian Book is his name. So so it should be, you know, m- maybe That's he's the kind of spark they need and uh, they can really get things going on offense. Yeah, they definitely need it because uh, with Winbush, like, I mean, he was, he was you know, doing okay, but he wasn't doing good enough, like, for Notre Dame to, you know, take that next step and compete for the playoff. Like, I mean, obviously they're undefeated. They're in the top ten, but – let's face it, they haven't played like a top ten team all season. I mean, they did put they did beat Michigan 
and I will give credit to that because Michigan has looked a lot better since that first game. And I think if you played, if Michigan played Notre Dame again on a neutral field, Michigan would win. And I, but Notre Dame, uh, they're going to have a chance to prove themselves this uh, Saturday against Stanford. Stanford has already had that tough test last week, winning in Eugene against a really talented Oregon team. Uh, the Stanford team, you know, they're always really scrappy. They're, I mean, these two teams are pretty similar. They both play excellent defense. Offenses have been kind of a disappointment early on. Uh, we got two uh, established head coaches with Brian Kelly and David Shaw. Uh, David Shaw is probably my most under one of my most underrated coaches in college football too. Oh yeah, definitely. And I'm excited to watch this. this uh, I was talking about you know one of these a lot of these games may end up just being blowouts because that happens a lot in big games. I really would be surprised if this is a blowout either way. I think this is going to be a really close game. I think uh, both defenses are going to play really well. And, uh, you know, I think both offenses may hold, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say hold their own, but I don't know how the offenses and defenses are both going to play good at the same time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I I think, think it's going to be a low-scoring game. game, but a well-played game. I'll, I'll say it like that. Like, uh, this isn't going to be one of those games where it's, you know, like just 20 turnovers and whatever. I think this is going to be a really close, well-played game. By yeah. both teams, and the winner of this game is really going to be in the driver's seat for the playoffs. But uh, I'm going to ask you this question: Do you think that if Notre Dame loses this game, they're completely out of the playoff discussion? Absolutely not, because it's Notre Dame. They're always going to be in the discussion until they lose their second game. So even if they lose this game, if they were yeah. to win out, they're going to be in the playoff because one. Well, loss they're definitely going to have to pull really hard for playoff. Michigan, I think, because if Michigan goes through the Big Ten East and uh, is able to make some noise and turn things around, and that's going to be kind of a, a big win to have in your back pocket uh, at the end of the season when they're looking at people's schedules. But uh, the tough thing for Notre Dame uh, exactly. if they lose this game is they, as of right now, no one left on their schedules in the top 25. So it's – I mean – you know, on one hand, it's like, yeah, well, that gives them a better opportunity to win all their games. But at the same time, you're not going to be looking at Notre Dame's schedule and thinking it's anything special. So I think if they if they go 11 and one, I think they're going to need some help yeah, from that's uh, the thing. some other teams. I mean, I agree with you. I think 11. I think 11 one Notre Dame team versus you know some 11 one teams that we're going to have potentially like a Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. All those teams are going to have better resumes the only problem is that we could see the scenario unfold in december where we have an undefeated georgia team an undefeated uh alabama team and the loser has one loss but who do they who does the committee put in do they go with another put a second sec team in for a second consecutive season you know the loser of the sec championship or do they slot in a one loss in Notre dame i think it's gonna be uh you know pretty you know, I don't know what kind of situation I want to call it, but it's not going to be a favorable situation for the Southeastern Conference. I think in this situation, Notre Dame would get in, even if the resume yeah, is I worry about just that too. because it is Notre Dame. Like just the, the and, name brand, the helmet, you know what I mean? Just all that yeah, stuff. That, I feel like that. <clears throat> yeah, and it's ratings too. Like Notre Dame brings ratings no matter how you slice it. And, you know, they have, you know, it's Notre Dame's, it's a love-hate relationship around the country. But they generate ratings, and people would be fascinated by it. And I, and it's definitely a scenario that I could yeah, see. Yeah, I agree. Later and I hate to see it. Honestly, I really just wish Notre Dame would just, you know, <laughs> lose. 
But uh, it's just it... – <laughs> If they lose tomorrow, yeah, if they lose tomorrow, uh, it's – you know, they or not, not – well, yeah, it is tomorrow. Yeah, so when they do lose, uh, if they do lose, you know. Yeah, I agree. Then, yeah, they're going to have to win out. So uh, we got some SEC matchups as well that we can talk about. Um, there's some other national games, but I don't think we really want to talk about those. We'll just pick them at the end. There's not really a lot of intrigue in any of those games, right? Yeah, those are the most intriguing ones, and I definitely wanted to discuss them. I and mean, last thing I'll mention about this Notre Dame Sanford game, you said it's going to be a low-scoring but well-played game. The best, uh, the best comparison we can make for that is the game that occurred last week between Wisconsin and Iowa. It was somewhat low-scoring, but it was well-played by two really uh, disciplined teams. And I think right, I agree. Is going to be kind of a heartbreaker there for Iowa. Not to, uh, I know me and you both picked was, Iowa in that game, was. and I, I really thought they were going to pull it out there for a minute, but. Uh, they did, and, I, and Iowa was my sleeper team, and I still think they're a solid team. I could easily see why, if you look at the rest of Iowa's schedule, they could almost run the table and maybe only lose one more game the rest of the way. Like, their schedule's favorable, and they're they're a really good bunch, I think, with this Wisconsin being a really good Iowa team. And we'll we'll find yeah. out later this season if that's well, the case. it is what it is. I would, uh, you know, I, I can't believe I was actually pulling for Iowa that hard, but I really was. Um but yeah, so let's uh, let's get into some of these SEC games. Um, we we can start off with the game that I'm going to be at. Uh, Florida travels to Mississippi State um, about ten months after Dan Mullen decides to take the Florida job. Um, he has to return to Starkville um, and face a pretty upset crowd. I would say a crowd that's going to be not too happy to see him. Um, but it should be uh, it should be a fun game. I think Mississippi State is favored by seven and a half, so I think they're expecting Mississippi State to win this game and and a sort of a close game. Uh, do you have a feel for this game, JB? Yeah, like as far as when I when I look at this game, all I can think of is blood. Mississippi State is going to be out for blood in this one. Their players are going to be out to prove something, to prove to their former coach that why the hell did you leave us? Like, you had a really good team here coming back this year, and you abandoned us for Florida. Granted, I mean, everyone's gonna, everyone knows that Florida is a better job, but it's not the better roster right now. Mississippi State, top to bottom, is a better roster. So these, these Mississippi State players are going to come out there with something to prove with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, the fans are going to be as rowdy as ever. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere in Starkville. And, that, and it's just going to be – then the worst thing for Florida is, is that their offensive line is the weakest link on their team, and they're about to go against this Mississippi State defensive line, who is going to have something to prove after what happened last week against Benny Snell. So this, this is going to be a really, really tough matchup for Dan Mullen. But if Mullen wins this one, it'll be arguably the best one of his JB, did you see that uh, what happened with the frozen custard store in Starville? I did. Uh, he had a, he had a uh, what, what yeah was it? something that was named after him. And right. he got changed to the yeah. Ohio and there's team. a there's a story behind that uh, because when Jeff Collins was the defensive quarter at Mississippi State, uh, the head coach at Temple now, um, after the 2014 season when Mississippi State had that big run, um, Jeff Collins took a job as the Florida defensive coordinator, and then he was the Florida def- defensive coordinator. The, you know, basically the whole time McElwain was there, and. Uh, 
when he took the job, Dan Mullen was really upset about it, and he said that he didn't like uh, he didn't like it when coaches made lateral moves. And he was talking about how it was a lateral move that Jeff Collins went from Mississippi State to Florida, and then you know three years later, Dan Mullen makes the exact same move uh, from Mississippi State to Florida. So uh, <laughs> kind of just an interesting little thing there, but uh, you know. It'll be uh, it'll definitely be a fun environment, and uh, you know, Mississippi State fans definitely are not too happy uh, about all that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be either. I mean, it's like you mentioned. Like, you know, he he called out Jeff Collins for what he did, and then he goes and does the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I can say as a Mississippi State fan that uh, you know, like I appreciate what Dan Mullen did, and like I thought he I thought he did a good job. I thought he was a good coach. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you did like you left us. Like, I mean, I don't know what you want us to do. You want like say if a girl breaks up with you for like another guy, like are you just gonna be like, Oh yeah, well I just want you to be happy? Like, no. Like fuck you. Like you left me. Like like why like why why am exactly. I like why do I have to sit here and talk about like all the great times we had together when like, you know, I can – plus, like, there was a lot of bad times, too. You know what I mean? It's not like it was all good. There was. And it's it's so funny, like, you know, with this new SEC scheduling format, uh, Florida and Mississippi State, I don't think are going to play again for another five to seven years after this. It just so happens to be that Florida and Mississippi State are playing the year after Mullen leaves and it's in Starkville. So this is, like, the perfect time for this matchup to happen because if, this had, if Mullen had left, you know, after this season – you wouldn't have been seeing Mississippi State wouldn't be playing uh, Florida for another five or six years, and who knows if Molyneux would still be there, or if he was there, he probably would have a really good roster by then, right. too. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, just one of those things that, that happens, you know what I mean? I mean, I, Florida hasn't been to Mississippi State since before I even went to school there. It was my senior year of high school. It was the last time Florida played at Mississippi State in 2009. So, you know, it's <laughs> – it's just one of those things that uh, it's just kind of meant to be. And uh, Mississippi State fans are going to get to uh, chant and yell and whatever obscenities they want at Dan Mullen, and he's just going to have to take it. But uh, there's there's been, like, this exactly. uh, this whole, like, media thing, like, this week, talking about how, like, Mississippi State fans, like, you know, like, national media people have, like, nothing to do with Mississippi State. They're just like, you know, oh, well, like, I can't believe that, like, they would boo him or that they would, like, you know, not be not just be like thankful and grateful for all the, you know, all the stuff he brought on, like all the, you know, glory and all that stuff. And I'm just like, you know, look, like, just like I said, like Dan Mullen did a good job. He's a good coach. I appreciate what he did, but I'm still going to boo the show of him on Saturday. Like, you know what I mean? Like he left, he left, he made yeah. a decision to leave. Like, what does he think is going to happen? You know what I mean? You think we're just going to like, just like forget about it and act like, you know, nothing happened. Like, no, like you left, and now you're the enemy. Like, <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, we got that Florida, you know, Florida Mississippi State game is exciting, and uh, Mississippi State is coming off a uh, tough loss against a really talented Kentucky team, which I, which takes us to our next game. Kentucky is going to be hosting South Carolina again. Uh, South Carolina, and you know, second straight week at home after winning against Mississippi State last week in front of a sold-out Kroger Field. And Kentucky is probably one of the hottest teams in the conference right now. 
So I'm curious what your take is on uh, how this matchup shapes up for the Gamecocks playing at Kroger Field Saturday night. Yeah, well, I would feel a lot better about this game, about South Carolina winning this game, if they didn't play so poorly against Georgia. Because I think Kentucky really uh, is really struggling to throw the ball. As good as they've been, like, they're, uh, you know, Terry Wilson really hasn't been that impressive through the air. And, you know, I just don't know if Benny Snell is going to be able to carry the load, you know, every week. You know what I mean? They're going to need to make some big plays in the passing game at some point. And I just don't know if Will Muschamp is going to be, you know, if his team is talented enough to take away the running game and force Terry Wilson to throw the ball. You know, I mean, I think that's what this game is going to come down to because I think South Carolina's offense is good enough to put up some points, not a lot. Like, they're not going to score, like, you know, 40. But I think they could maybe uh, hit 30 or maybe, you know, mid-20s. So, if they can do a decent job of stopping the run and put some points on the board, then, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a decent shot to win. But, you know, Kentucky's also really hot right now. And they're playing really well on both lines of scrimmage. And obviously, you know, Benny Snell is in the running for the Heisman now and, you know, is one of the best backs in the country. Yeah, and I I really want to give a lot of credit to that Kentucky offensive line. That offensive line is doing its job. It's really helping uh, open up the holes for uh, Benny Snell. And, you know, if you give Benny Snell some room to run, like, he is is outstanding and I mean, that's going to be – that's obviously that's been the difference for Kentucky this year is that their offensive line has been able to – he's been able to uh, make holes for him. And, and Benny Snell's been capitalizing on it. And I know you were talking about Terry Wilson's been struggling throwing the ball. He has been. But if you can get the running game going, it may not even right. matter. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, you know, we don't – we haven't uh, – Terry Wilson hasn't had to prove uh, that he can throw the ball down the field. It's been, you know, pretty much just running the ball – and most of the time when he drops back, he's just looking at the first or second guy and then he's taken off. You know what I mean? There isn't a whole lot of depth to their passing game. It's very, you know, very basic. But, yeah, I mean, just like you're saying, if they're running the ball, then it doesn't matter. So that's exactly. that will be the thing. But, you know, Will Muschamp, we talk about how great of a defensive mind he is. I know Alex is a big fan of him as, you know, a defensive coach. And, um, you know, if he can find a way to stop the run, then, yeah, this – I definitely think South Carolina has a chance to win this game, but I'm just not sure they can after that performance against Georgia a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, you know, we'll find out Saturday night. It's going to be rather interesting to see how this unfolds. And uh, we'll move on to the to another game. Uh, this game isn't really that interesting, so we'll just talk briefly about it. It's uh, we got Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, playing at Alabama. So let's just – Let's just do something interesting for this one. Uh, Alabama is a 48-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'll just ask you this, Holt. Does Alabama cover? Um, I'm going to say no. Um, but just like I said, like I always say, like I never bet against Alabama. But I just feel like these games are the ones that Saban kind of like takes his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Um, the only thing that concerns me is that he says he's going to keep playing Jalen Hurts. And I just think when Jalen Hurts comes in, he's going to want to score. You know what I mean? Like, when he gets put in the game, he's going to want to score. And uh, he's going to do, like, whatever he can. Um, when usually if you bring in the backup, you're just going to be, like, running the ball and running out the clock. I think Jalen Hurts is going to, you know, be looking for an opportunity to uh, to show that he can still do some things in the passing game. So, uh, you know, they may still be putting up points even after the, they bring the backups in. That's the only thing I'm really concerned about. But usually Saban likes to uh, – 
you know, kind of take the foot off the gas pedal in these types of games once he gets a comfortable lead. He does. I mean, we, we've always seen with saving teams, like, they're always really vanilla once they jump out to that lead. But with a guy like Jalen Hurts, like, he's going to want to showcase himself. He wants to show that he is improved, even though he's not the starter anymore. He wants to show that he's improved. And he's got to, like, show out for uh, wherever he goes next year because, obviously, we know he's not going to save with Alabama after this season. I mean, he's not the starter anymore. But, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to say that Alabama does not cover. I think it's going to be – under a 48 and a half, I don't think they're going to win by more than 48, so I'm not going to pick them to cover. So we'll move on from that one. I mean, we obviously believe Alabama's going to win this comfortably, probably within a half. So we'll move on to the next one. Uh, we've got a couple other, uh, you know, ma- you know, big conference games, you know, on paper at the beginning of the season. Not so much now, and it have been big conference games in the past. Uh, we've got Arkansas and Texas A&M, and we also have Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, we'll start off with uh, – Arkansas and Texas A&M. So this game, ever since Texas A&M joined the conference in 2012, Arkansas has had the worst luck playing the Aggies. They've they've had a few games where it looks like they were going to win it, and then Texas A&M made some big plays at the end. Uh, do you think this could be a potential year for Arkansas to play spoiler, or do you think that A&M is just going to be too much for them? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I did see a stat that said – uh, Arkansas is in, like, the top ten in the country in run defense. Did you see that? I did. I think they're, like, seventh in it's the country. crazy. But, uh, no, I just – I think Texas A&M is just going to be a little bit too much for them. I just don't – I think that Arkansas may be able to keep this game closer than you would expect. But uh, I just think Texas A&M just got a little bit too much, um, you know, a little bit too much talent for Arkansas in this game. Yeah, I agree. And Texas A&M is probably the best two-and-two two team in the country. I mean, they have two losses, but – they're a lot better than what their records show. I mean, they they lost to the number one and the number two team in the country. Yeah. So I mean, you you can't get you can't be upset at A and M. And I agree. I think A and M is probably you know going to probably win this one big. I mean, I keep I, I do want to see Arkansas prevail against A and M someday. I just don't think it's going to be this Saturday. So you're gonna have to wait another year, maybe another year after this one, but. Arkansas will be back to competing again soon under Chad Morris. I think it's just going to Arkansas fans are going to be patient and given some time. But yeah, A and M, it's probably going to be a uh, a blowout, unfortunately. As much as I hate to say it. Right. Yeah, I have to agree. And uh, I don't think this Tennessee Georgia game is going to be uh, much closer. Um, obviously, Tennessee had a really rough game last week. Um, the good news is I don't think it can get much worse than that. Um, I think that's the good news. For- I don't really think it could either. I mean, we when you spot a team 30 points, you know, from six turnovers, I don't, you're not going to beat anybody. It doesn't matter who you're playing. And, of course, Tennessee was playing Florida, who was perceived as one of the worst teams in the conference as well. And, I mean, we look at those 30 points uh, on paper, it made the difference, you know, those turnovers. And Florida capitalized on all those turnovers as well. But – even if Tennessee played a perfect game and didn't turn the ball over against Georgia, I still don't think they have a shot because Georgia's just way too talented. And even if Georgia, even even if the turnover, you know, ratio was three to three to zero in favor of Tennessee, I still would pick Georgia in this one. That's how confident I am in Georgia winning this one, especially at home in Athens. Kirby Smart's not going to have his guys sleeping. They're a thirty-one point favorite. I actually don't think they're going to cover. I think Tennessee covers it, but it's still going to be a comfortable win for Georgia. Yeah, I agree. I think Tennessee may 
may be able to uh, get some stops on defense to uh, keep this a little bit closer, a low-scoring game. But I don't think Tennessee's offense is going to be able to do anything in this game. I think it's going to be a really, really long day for Tennessee's offense. Hopefully they can just get the fourth down and point um, and yeah, turn the, the ball over. Ten- the only way I think Tennessee scores in this game is if they if, – if uh, Florida – or not Florida, if Georgia – has a turnover in Tennessee territory. That's the only way I think they're going to be able to score. Yeah. They, you know, I think they may be able to get, a, you know, maybe 10 to, you know, 10 to 17 points on the board. But, uh, you know, honestly, like, nothing more than that. I'd be really surprised if Tennessee scored more than 17 points in this game. Um, uh, they're not even I'll, – I'll be surprised if Tennessee scores more than seven points in this game. Yeah. Well, I, just like I said, I don't even go <laughs> quite that far. <laughs> but uh, you know they didn't score any points last year. Yeah, well, I think I don't think Georgia's defense is quite as good as it was last year. But uh, it's not. And Tennessee's offense is better, but I still don't think Tennessee's offense can be able to move the ball, especially if Tennessee's offensive line is horrible as it is. Like Tennessee can't win in the trenches against anybody. We saw last week Tennessee struggled in the trenches against that Florida defensive line, which is one of their weakest links as well. So I, I don't, I can't see Tennessee scoring at all. I think the only way they score is if Georgia, you know, turns the ball over in their own territory. Right. So uh, we should move on to a game that should be pretty exciting. Uh, at least I think Ole Miss down on the Bayou taking on LSU. Um, I'm really excited to see LSU's offense versus Ole Miss's defense to find out who's really the worst unit in the SEC West. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Ole Miss's offense, really explosive, some really good receivers. LSU secondary is probably the best or one of the best they'll face all season. So uh, do you think LSU is going to be able to shut down Ole Miss's offense like Alabama did, or do you think Ole Miss is going to be able to score some points in this game? No, I think Ole Miss will be able to score some points in this one. And this is one of the games I have circled this weekend. It's a, it's a very underrated matchup. Um LSU, like their offense is, even though they're 4-0, their offense still hasn't impressed me enough to think that this is a top-five team. And they're pl- they're playing a really bad Ole Miss defense, so they will be able to move the ball and score some points. But the real matchup to me is going to be this Ole Miss offense against this LSU defense. I think that's going to be where this game is decided. And to me, if Ole Miss can find a way to score 20 points, they're going to have a fighting chance in this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, LSU's offense has been bad, but I think Ole Miss's defense may have been worse so far this season. Um, But one thing that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really know about, um, but LSU and Ole Miss is, you know, sort of a rivalry game, um, especially for Ole Miss. Uh, You know, LSU, I think, sees it as a rivalry game as well, but maybe not quite as much as Ole Miss does. But it still should be, you know, a little bit extra in this game. Um, you know, this is a really big game to Ole Miss fans. So I think that uh, they're really going to be coming out to play this week. And LSU, it really hasn't been able to get anything going on offense, but I still think they're going to be able to run the ball in this game and keep that Ole Miss offense all, on the sideline. Yeah, and uh, uh, to elaborate on the rivalry, there's some Ole Miss fans that will say, will tell you that LSU is their biggest rival. And it seems like every single Ole Miss game you attend, it doesn't even matter who the opponent is, during the national anthem, you've always got that one belligerent drunk that yells out, "Go to hell, LSU!" During the national anthem, so I think you're gonna, 
you know a lot of Ole Miss fans are passionate about this one. And this is going to be a really exciting game. And the crazy thing is that this game's an 8 o'clock start, which is perfect for the Cajuns. Uh, this is going to be a really, really rowdy atmosphere in Baton Rouge. And it's probably going to be their best atmosphere up, up until this point of the season for them. Of course, they're going to have Alabama – or they're going to have Georgia and Alabama coming in there too. So this – it's going to be a really fun home stretch coming up for LSU, and this is just the first of them, and it's it's going to be exciting. And I mean, like I said, I have this one circled. I ain't going to tell you who I'm picking, but uh, I can tell you I am intrigued. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I expect it to be uh, a little bit closer game than maybe people would expect. Um, I haven't actually seen the line on this game. Um, uh, LSU is a ten and a half point favorite. Let me, okay. I'll, I'll I'll just say that Ole Miss covers it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's about right. Um, that's pretty much it for the big games. We're going to talk about uh, just a couple other games real quick. Um, Auburn yeah. hosts Southern Miss. Um, Stingray really haven't... team. <laughs> yeah, you heard about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel sorry for him. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a, a Southern Miss fan or if he, if he like, just – got ran off at the Mississippi State fan base. I mean, he's such a good dude. I mean, I, f- I feel really horrible for him. I mean, and I- I'd love to have him on our show and talk to him because I-, I feel horrible for how the Mississippi State fans have treated him. Like, he's, he's a really good dude. He's just passionate. He, did- he does it all in good fun. And a lot of people just take it to another level and just completely bash this guy. So, yeah, I mean. I try, I try to, not to get into this too much, but I try to understand, like, both sides of it. Like, I mean, you know, I never really had a problem with Stingray. Um, I didn't really, but at the same time, I had a problem with like Feinbaum and you know, like Twitter, like basically seeing Stingray as like a representation of the entire Mystery State fan base, which obviously is not. He's just like one dude. You know what I mean? Like I think he's funny. I've like I've seen him. I've met him a couple times, and he is like a really nice guy. And you know, I don't have any problems against him. I don't have any problems with him being a Mississippi State fan or him making YouTube videos or whatever. You know what I mean? What I have a problem with is people, like, trying to, you know, make that Mississippi State fans. Like, this Like this is the representation of Mississippi State fans. Exactly. You know what I mean? That I kind not, of – Yeah. Which isn't his will, fault. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's not his fault yeah. that people do that. Yeah. I, but just briefly, I will make a shout-out here. St- Stephen Ray, if you are listening to this – we like you a lot, and we would love to have you on the show because uh, we respect you and we understand your passion. But uh, talking about this game, this Southern Miss Auburn game, Auburn is a uh, twenty-six and a half point favorite, and this Auburn offense has been sputtering uh, lately. Uh, you know, they, of course, they lost their uh, one of the receivers to transfer with uh, Nate Craig Myers, which was a huge loss. Uh, they don't have Will Hastings or Eli Stowe, so that's three of. Stidham's main targets from last year that aren't playing. And also, because of course, he doesn't have uh, Cameron Petway and uh, his other running back, Carryon Johnson, which is, you know, a huge loss, too. So, you know, the weapons just aren't there for Stidham. And that's probably one of the main reasons why this offense is sputtering and the defense is really having to carry the load. But this is going to be a good game for Auburn's offense to try to, you know, generate some momentum, you know, before they head into the meat of the conference schedule. Especially yeah. next week when they play Mississippi State, right? And uh, the offense has really been struggling to get going, as you were saying. Like it's just, you know, they've had the receivers problems. You know, Stidham has, you know, he threw a couple of picks in the LSU game that were just not great passes. And uh, 
you know, they just haven't been able to find a solid running back, you know, like they've had in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get the offense going this week. Southern Miss, you know, not a great team, but definitely a team that can score some points at times. But, uh, you know, I think Auburn should win this game pretty easily. And um, last SEC game, I believe this is the last one. Um, Vanderbilt hosting Tennessee State. Um, you can get a ticket for this game for $2, JB. $2. Well, that's that's uh, $2 too much for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think I would uh, – I don't even think you can give me a free ticket to this one. Uh, the only thing that's intriguing about this matchup is that both of these schools are in the same city, located in Nashville. So it's an intercity matchup, intercity matchup. But, I mean, Vanderbilt's going to run away with this one. Uh, they're just way too talented. It's a – and it's just – I mean, like like you said, I'm, this game is not intriguing whatsoever. That's not in a that's not in a bad way. It's just that Vanderbilt's just going to run them over, and it'll be it'll be an easily easy game. It'll be over at halftime. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be, you know, pretty easy win for Vanderbilt. Get back uh, in the win column after a couple of tough losses in a row. Um, you know, I don't think Vanderbilt is a bad team. You know, I really don't. Um, last week obviously wasn't ideal, but you know, it's just one of those things that <laughs> it just happens. I feel like I've said that like five times in this podcast, but <laughs> it, 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 uh, it is what it is. So, uh, that being said, uh, JB, would you like to move on to some picks or is there something else you'd like to talk about? No, I'm ready to move on to the picks. Uh, this is uh, my favorite part of the podcast and I always love doing the picks. Uh, this is, uh, you know, our competition. Of course we have our ongoing, uh, competition this year uh, i don't even think we even have a uh decision yet on what the winner or loser gets i think it was just basically uh the winner you know gets a steak dinner and the loser has to eat something that they don't like so i think oh. if i lose i think if i lose i have to eat waffle house if you lose you have to eat a bucket of kfc chicken i don't know about that one I was I was thinking that we would just like go to Central and like the the loser picks up the tab. That's more what I was thinking. Well, I mean that that actually would be funny too. I mean, whichever one you think is best. I mean, I think yeah, making one of us eat you know food that we don't like would be fun too. But that's fine. If we just go get some barbecue and the losers pick up the tab. I mean, I can live with that as well. So like, <laughs> hey, let's let's move on to the picks. Uh, we'll start off with the non-conference games. Yeah, let's do. Uh, let's start with the uh, like the the lower level ones. And then work our way up to the big games at the end. Does that work for you, JB? That'll work with me. All right. So, let's start off with West Virginia at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech lost to Ole Miss week one. But since then, they've been rolling. They went on the road and absolutely destroyed an undefeated Oklahoma State team last week. West Virginia has a couple big wins over Tennessee and Kansas State. uh, Games they won very easily. Um, what, uh, What are you thinking in this game, JB? Will Greer... And David Sills are going to have a field day in this one. I like West Virginia big. I think they're going to just out. I think they're going to score way too many points. The West Virginia defense is not great, but it's a little bit underrated. And they're going to make enough stops on on this Texas Tech offense. West Virginia is going to just run away outscoring it. I think they can win something like maybe sixty three to like thirty four. Wow. Yeah, I, I like West Virginia too. Maybe not by quite as much. Uh, West Virginia's defense is is low key, not terrible, um, which is really good for a Big Twelve team. So uh, I think they could definitely get some stops in this game. And uh, you know, obviously Will Greer. I, I expect this to be a kind of a close, fun game, though. Um, 
I think this is an 11 a.m. game. This is probably the 11 a.m. game that everybody's going to be watching. So uh, definitely look forward to that one. And then uh, I think we're both going to pick the same team here, but I wanted to put it in here anyway. Oregon is on the road at Cal, coming off a really, really tough loss. Cal's still undefeated. Do you think uh, Cal has a chance in this game, or are you going to go with Oregon? Yeah, I absolutely believe Cal has a chance in this game, but I'm not going to pick them. I'm going to go with Oregon. Oregon just way too talented. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I just want to talk about this game for a second because, you know, Oregon is is way more talented than Cal, but Cal's got a pretty decent defense, and they don't beat themselves. So, you know, it should be an interesting game. Uh, and then BYU at Washington. Do you think BYU can pull off another huge upset on the road? I'm not sold on this BYU team yet. I know they're in the top 25. Give me Washington. They're just way too talented. They're at Husky Stadium. And Chris Peterson's their coach. Too much Washington Huskies. Go Washington. Yeah, there's a 17-point line in this game. I actually like BYU to cover that. The end's going to be a close game. I think BYU's defense is going to have some success against Washington. But that being said, BYU's offense isn't really going to be able to do anything in this game. But uh, I think it should be a pretty tight, low-scoring game. And uh, speaking of tight, low-scoring games, we're going to move on to Stanford at Notre Dame. Should be another big game here. One of my playoff teams is in this game. Uh, who do you like, the Cardinal or the Irish? I am going to go with Stanford in this one. Low-scoring, but really well-played game. But Stanford's going to win with a field goal at the end to win it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm also going to go with Stanford. Should be, just like you said, great low-scoring game. Um, probably going to come down to late in the fourth quarter, but I'm going to go with Stanford. I just like them a little bit more, um, you know, overall. Just think they got a little bit more. You know, I think Bryce Love is is due for a big game. And uh, last of the national games, the biggest one, Ohio State and Happy Valley taking on my other um, <laughs> playoff team, uh, Penn State. Um, who do you got in this one? I really like this Ohio State team. You know, like a lot of it, a lot of people don't like Urban Meyer. I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan. I think what he did is really phony. But his team, and I think I think this Ohio State team may be the biggest threat to uh, dethroning the SEC in the playoffs this year. So I, I'm going with Ohio State. I think this is going to be a statement win for Urban Meyer and his club. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna have our first disagreement here. Just like I said, I picked Penn State to go to the playoff um, before the season started, and I, I just got to keep going with them. They're at home. Um, they're off. You know, Penn State's offense has been rolling. Their defense has been struggling, but it's going to be a wideout. They're going to have the crowd behind them, and I think that's going to motivate the defense to play a little bit better. This is the first true road game for Wayne Haskins, and he's been really comfortable so far this year. And you know, had a nice clean pocket and open receivers to just sit back there and just take his time and put the ball, you know, to the open guy. But uh, I think Penn State's defense is going to be able to get some pressure on him and uh, force him into some mistakes. And I think Trace McSoy is going to have a big game. And uh, I think Penn State's going to get a big, huge win at home and uh, kind of solidify themselves as the front runner for the Big Ten. Yeah, I like it. I like your – I mean, it's not like I don't want to pick Penn State, but Ohio State is just um, way too – I mean, they're just – I don't know. It's just uh, with Haskins and Urban Meyer effect being back, I think this Ohio State team is going to be out to prove something, you know, I think to the rest of this country that they are for real. 
and I, it's hard for me to pick against this Ohio State team. Yeah, it's definitely understandable. I mean, Ohio State, when it comes to betting against, like, they're right there as far as teams you don't want to bet against with Alabama. Um, but uh, moving All right, on. So we'll move on to, yeah, move on yeah. to the SEC. So we got about we got three games here to pick in the SEC. Which one do you want to start with? Let's do uh, Ole Miss LSU first. All right. Uh, with this one, oh, man. Like, I'm – this is so hard for me because I really, really think this Ole Miss team has what it takes. Uh, I'm going to go with LSU. But with that being said, if this game was in Oxford, I would pick Ole Miss with the monumental upset. But I'm going with LSU. It's an 8 o'clock start. The home field advantage is going to be a little bit too much. But LSU is going to win this one in a really, really close nail-biter. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about how bad LSU's offense has been. You know, they only scored 31 points against whatever FCS school they played. I think it was, like, Northeastern Louisiana or something like that. So, you know, it's not like their offense has really been setting the world on fire at all. And uh, as bad as Ole Miss's defense has been, you know, I do expect this to be kind of a low-scoring game. Um, even though Ole Miss's offense is really good, I think LSU's defense is going to be able to slow them down. And uh, I like LSU to win this game, but really close, fun game. But I like LSU to get the win in the end, maybe something like, you know, 21-24, something kind of along those lines. But a really good, really good game. And the thing is, like, if this LSU team struggles to move the ball against this Ole Miss defense, this does not bode well for them later on in the season. I know they're fifth in the country, but they – let's just face it. Like, I mean, they have won the games. They've beaten Miami. They've beaten Auburn. They have the resume, but just the eye test, like, I just don't think they can match up with teams like Georgia and Alabama. They are not on that level yet. So, if they got to show me something in this game. they got to be able to move the ball and score, you know, have a lot of yardage and also score a lot of points against this Ole Miss off defense if they are going to be taken seriously, you know, amongst the rest of this country. Because I think I saw something like, even though they're ranked fifth in the country, they only have, like, I think a 5 to 10% chance of making the playoff currently. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they, their schedule is ridiculous, and they're just the schedule is ridiculous, and I think it's just it's just a lot of disrespect. So, this game could go a long way for LSU to prove a lot of doubters wrong, just by blowing out Ole Miss. Even though I'm not yeah, picking them so to blow too. out Ole Miss, they, this is a golden opportunity for them to do that. No, if they if they blow out Ole Miss, then I definitely think that uh, you're going to have to start taking the LSU more seriously. Um, that being said, let's move on to the other Mississippi team hosting Dan Mullen, their former coach. Um, Cowbells are going to be very loud, and uh, Felipe Franks is probably going to need some earplugs. But uh, what do you think uh, about this one, JB? Okay, well, Mississippi State is a seven-point favorite. Let's triple that. Mississippi State wins big by three touchdowns. Oh, I like it. Um, I wish I had as much confidence as you did. If I would have picked this game two weeks ago, I probably would have agreed with you. But after Mississippi State's performance against Kentucky last week, I'm really concerned about the offense and how many points you're going to be able to score in this game. Um, I definitely think they're going to play better than they did last week. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm just i just not sure they're going to be able to put up quite as many points as uh, they would need to to win by three touchdowns. I think this is going to be another low-scoring game. I like Mississippi State to win. Uh 
I'm going to say 24 to 16. <laughs> so, all right, we're both picking state. And uh, the next one we have is uh, South Carolina and Kentucky. This is a huge game for both teams in the East. It's It feels like an elimination game, even though Kentucky's undefeated. It's definitely an elimination game for South Carolina if they lose this. So let me just give you a quick story. Uh, you know, we always talk about team like Kentucky is undefeated at home, and we always talk about you can't go into a grocery store and expect a victory. Well, I went into Kroger tonight, and I spent about $40 on groceries, so I definitely came out with a loss. So I think that South Carolina is going to come out with a loss this weekend, too. I am going with Kentucky. The momentum will continue for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, I agree. I do think – that uh, South Carolina has a chance in this game if they can stop the run, but I just don't think they're going to. I think Kentucky's red hot right now, and uh, I don't think anybody wants to be in their way, and I think that uh, South Carolina's going to be the next victim to uh, walk into the grocery store and come out with a loss. <laughs> I feel like this joke has, like, been overran by us, but, I mean, we no, can't really never. stop it. Like, it's just, just, it's just so awesome. Like, that's such a funny joke. <laughs> So the only game we disagreed on was Penn State Ohio State. Is that right? It is. So, and I think wow. as of now, you and I are tied in the picks. So this we Penn are. State Ohio State game is gonna is gonna put one of us a game ahead of each other. So that's right. It'll be, it'll be this is gonna be one where you and I are gonna have to root against one another. I know it's a shame. It's just a shame that you're gonna have to be pulling for Ohio State. <laughs> I know it's it, it, it's it pains be tough me. For you. It pains me to pull for them. And it's, I, I hate pulling for Ohio State, but they're my pick, and I got to roll with it. That's right. Well, hey, we got another uh, day of college football. So, uh, you know, try, try to not take any of them for granted. Um, it just, it's a shame that all these games are on at the same time. Like, Kentucky-South Carolina is, like, the fifth best game on at that time. It's just uh, it's tough that they do that, and I feel bad for Kentucky. But, hey, you know what? If they win – then they'll just keep moving off the poles and then, you know, just count down the days till that Georgia game. Exactly. And I think that'll uh, wrap us up for this week. Uh, our, uh, our picks are in. We will find out uh, in our next episode, our recap episode on Sunday, how many of our picks actually came to fruition. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SEC Slow Smoked. Uh, you can follow Holt at uh, Holt Smash 1166. Is that correct? That is correct. And you can also follow uh, our other fearless host, uh, Alex Ship, at Bullship One. If you uh, if you just want to see him tweet like uh, Will Smith, White Boy tweets, and then you could also follow me at mrjv underscore Brooks, which I don't really tweet a lot anyway, so I'm probably not the best follow. Holt Smash is the best one because he's a he's a very condescending guy, and I think that's more like going to be more people's taste because I mean he definitely his tw- he's more of the main tweeter for at SEC Slow Smoked as well, as far as, like, the funny tweets, in my opinion. So I'm going to give Holt the credit there. But anyways, just follow us on SEC Slow Smoked and catch us on uh, Sunday after, uh, you know, the Saturday games. That'll be our recap episode, and we will see you guys then. Take it easy.